I'm Mark Walsh, and coming up on today's show... When we talk about venture um, capital, when I do my dinners that you come to, I call it venture investor roundtables because I feel like there's different sources of, of venture capital now. It's not just the the typical VC fund that has a yeah. institutional um, backing. Welcome to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast. It's What's Working in Washington. I'm Mark Walsh, your host. Excited today to be joined by Doug Anderson. Doug is the CEO and founder of DCA Live. As you'll hear, he comes from business to business, data and gathering and conferences in his career uh, at BizNow. Some of you may well remember that brand over the years. BizNow in Business was a radio show that back in the day I was a guest on. So, wow, talk about sort of a convergence of media here. But DCA Live has become an absolute player in this marketplace, uh, Middle Atlantic marketplace, celebrating business success and challenges, both by types of businesses, but also roles within those businesses. So they may have a celebration of CFOs for nonprofits and top 30 CFOs for nonprofits as nominated by other people. And in those gatherings, both face-to-face and virtual, will be sponsors like law firms and accounting firms and stuff like that. It's not a new business. But DCA Live has taken it, I think, to a new level that, frankly, they had to as COVID hit that business in March of 2020. So it's an interesting interesting example that Doug and his colleagues have put together of a, of a company that's about bringing people together face-to-face that had to change, and they've done it successfully. We'll learn more about how they did it and the trends and challenges they see in the Washington marketplace in our conversation. Doug, welcome to the show. Mark, thanks for having me. So DCA Live has really and I'm not just blowing smoke because I know brother you you you've avoided smoke in your fantastic career mm-hmm. it's really become an absolute kind of pillar of the DC arena community for both govcon venture startups gender specific celebration of particular executives types of executives so you've really spread the, the organization has spread its wings for a wide variety of ways to celebrate both identify and celebrate business success let's go to the background you sure. came from BizNow and before that Bloomberg, BNA, I guess Bloomberg to some extent. Kind of what what brought you to start DCA Live? Let's see. I wait, wait, how's that for a tee up? That that's a good one. <laughs> well, I'm I'm a I'm a native of the region. I grew up in uh, Mount Vernon area, Virginia. The mean went, streets of yeah, Mount Vernon. Went off to <laughs> mean streets. Went off to college. Came back. Uh, worked in television for a number of years. Went back to business school. The Tuck School. Uh, the Tuck School up in Dartmouth. Yeah. Uh, Dartmouth. Um, Graduated and, and into a recession um, in the uh, 2001. You remember that well. I do. You, you were uh, a tech guy back then. Yeah. Um, and I actually did my, my MBA internship at AOL, Mark, so maybe we overlapped there. I don't, we did not, not sure. but okay. we have that DNA somewhere. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but took a job um, out of business school at a uh, local uh, legal regulatory publisher publishing behemoth, uh, BNA. Sure. Uh, so you mentioned Bloomberg. Bloomberg later acquired them in yeah. a, a billion-dollar uh, deal. I was – See, I was gone by then. Uh, in the mid-aughts, met a guy, Mark Biznow, who you know well, yep. um, who had this concept for digital newsletters. Um, and I was crazy enough to join him, and I was the first non-Biznow family member uh, in that company. And long story short, that company um, pivoted a number of times to become really a, a conference business for the commercial real estate industry uh, and grew that, um, let's see, starting in 07, 08. 
uh, and sold it to a private equity firm in 2016, at which point I needed a new job. And I'd gotten used to kind of working, you know, the BizNow style, which was work a lot, but from anywhere and, and whenever. So I, I wasn't going to go back into a, a company and I had to kind of figure something out. So I had learned how to do events. I'd learned how to bring together business communities. I'd learned how to make a living doing that. Um, so I started a company. I didn't call it DCA Live initially, but um, I later found that brand. Started uh, hosting events, large events for um, uh, mostly the tech community, real estate, uh, and then began to find other pockets where I could um, use kind of use the same formula uh, within functional areas like uh, CFOs and chief HR officers, chief marketing officers. Started doing stuff in the government contracting realm, uh, law firms. Uh, these were all big events that people could buy tickets to, that they would come and, you know, ostensibly meet leaders within those different areas. Um, and they would, uh, the business model was that I have sponsors um, support them. Uh, later, I started to add um, executive roundtables because I had, you know, gotten to know a lot of the, 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 the leaders, the CEOs and the other executive leaders in those industries. So I would invite them back for a smaller dinner, um, again, sponsored. You've been to many of those, Mark, and I continue to do those. But uh, I've always, I've been there as a waiter. I, I'm not, I'm not there <laughs> right. as a uh-huh. participant. Uh-huh. Um, anyway, so I do, uh, you know, at least uh, one or two of those a week and then, you know, probably 20 larger uh, events a year. Um, and then I publish a daily email um, that goes to about 10,000 subscribers in the region. I post a lot of that content on the social media channels as well. And our tagline is to connect and inform uh, Washington, D.C. business. And so that's our goal. Well, in full transparency, I am a sponsor and, and, uh, and a happy sponsor of, of the organization. What I love and love seeing, which has worked for you guys, I think, really well, is celebrating kind of the nicheness, nichiness of certain roles like human resource professionals who frankly are rarely celebrated as being good at their job, yet they are so important to the success of anybody could be a government contractor, startup, whatever. What brought you on to do that? And, and did start strong? Was it kind of weird to find who they were and get them to show up? Do they find themselves comparing notes a lot? Is there a lot of kind of commonality and community in it? What, what, what's going on there? And you're talking about the HR function. Well, any of the niches, but HR specifically, I'm interested in that one. Yeah. Well, I think, um, yeah, there, there, there is an HR community, and, and there's evidence of it because there are a number of um, uh, professional organizations like SHRM yeah. and uh, HR Leadership Forums that have already kind of defined that space. Um, and they, they do regular meetings, and they've brought together folks to, um, you know, to learn from each other. I think the, the, the sort of the wrinkle that we're adding is we're recognizing them um, in a way that other business communities um, can, can see their great work, right? Yeah. So we're, we're promoting the HR function across all the different, you know, readers and, and channels that, that, we're, that we're in. And, you know, I think as a, as, a, as a business for us, what makes that particular, you know, niche work is there's a lot of um, professional services and, and vendors that want to reach, you know, HR leaders, right? Yeah. So um, for any HR event we have, we have, you know, benefits brokers and HR consultants and insurance folks. And, um, you know, there's a lot, there's a lot of uh, activity in that space. And that's a function, since you bring it up, that's been really critical over the past couple of years. Yeah. Uh, through the pandemic, the HR leader really became the kind of the corporate culture officer, right? And yeah. trying to keep everybody going in a remote environment, um, 
hire and retain talent in an incredibly challenging um, market. We're talking with Doug Anderson. Doug is the founder and CEO of DCA Live here in the Washington region, celebrating success and uh, future capacity for all sorts of industries and the niches and the C-suite of them. So uh, believe me, there's a good reason I'm asking this question. So that with, with that as Precy, I noticed yesterday I was watching the Oriole game. The umpire has an FTX uh, logo sewn into their umpire uniform, which just like amazing sponsorship sort of intrusiveness. And I'm a purist when it comes to baseball. How do you balance sponsorship versus attendance? Because you mentioned in the HR sector and all of your sectors, you have natural sponsors who show up. It must be tough uh, to keep the dollars from sponsors from affecting the relationship and the experience of people that show up as part of that niche. How have you found the right way to do that? You know, let's let's take um, our good friends uh, who are the sort of the real estate broker uh, community here in D.C., um, a CEO probably is inundated with cold calls from uh, real estate brokers who want to, you know, move them and find a new space and get a lease and get a commission out of it and to the point where they won't even, you know, entertain right. those conversations. But if you get the real estate broker and the CEO in the same room over a nice meal with some wine, there's actually quite a lot the CEO can learn from the real estate broker. Agreed. At the end of the day. And vice versa. And vice versa. At the end of the day, they, they do have to make some tough decisions. They, de- they, they, they do need to know what the market um, is, is, is doing. Um, they would like insight into what other people like their, them are doing. So like when we bring people together, it's in the spirit of information sharing, right? Mm-hmm. So, our, our, and you've experienced this, I hope, in our, our small meetings, our, our vendors and our, our, our partners do not sell per se, mm-hmm. right? I mean, they're just there to offer insight and perspective yeah. and, and, and form the relationship. Um, and then if things go well, there'll be subsequent you know, discussions and maybe a transaction will happen. And I think they do. Mm-hmm. I oftentimes hear that. But in the context of DCA Live, it's really just community and information sharing. And nine times out of ten, and maybe even some better better rate than that, um, my sponsors understand that dynamic, mm-hmm. and they know that coming in guns a blazing and trying to uh, steer the conversation or the event in a way that they think would benefit them is is probably not a great idea. Mm-hmm. You know what I what I love is when that all works right when mm-hmm. we have you know partners, professional services at the table, and they're off and they're offering really good insights. You know lawyers do that. Accountants do that. I mean, they, they have, they bring really interesting um, perspective to these discussions. So that's, that's, I hope is the, an answer to your question, Mark. Well, it's, it's an answer for sure. And a good one, but also what I think I've noticed in these gatherings is you go deep in diversity more frankly than often happens in professional gatherings. Um, it must be something you've committed to because to find the diverse folks and in both the service sector in the service sector, in the financing sector, in all of the the donut around the events that we know happen in the D.C. area, diversity seems to be one of your core strengths. How difficult or how much have you had to commit to that to make sure that representation is part of the experience of D.C.A. Live? Well, thank you for saying that. And I, I, I am aware uh, of that. And I am aware of bringing people from different perspectives and backgrounds uh, together. I think it's you know it's it's not that not that hard to find. I, I think there are industries that it's tougher than than others. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, real estate has uh, I think it's it's come a long way, but it, it's it's still like the one of the least diverse industries around. I think you have men, you have women, yeah. You have diverse demographics, yeah. racial, yeah, uh, geographical, 
i.e. people from other nations that have come to this nation and are yeah. you know, learning. Yeah. I, I, the, the stuff I go to doesn't have that kind of ratio that you do. So yeah. I just I, I highlighted only that it seems well, to no. be happening with you more than other places. Well, 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 well thank you. We, 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 do, we do pay attention to that. Um, I, I don't find it terribly difficult to, f- to fulfill that. Yeah. Um, you know? Well, uh, that's, that's good news. I think that is good news. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing we're going to talk about as we come back to, from our break here on What's Working in Washington, our guest is Doug Anderson, CEO and founder of DCA Live, is the canaries in the coal mine that you clearly represent with the types of people you attract what's going up, what's coming down, where COVID has taken a whack out of stuff and what you see coming. So all that and more coming up in our conversation with Doug Anderson here on What's Working in Washington. on What's Working in Washington. I'm your host, Mark Walsh. Our guest today, once again, is Doug Anderson. Doug is the founder and CEO of DCA Live, which many of you in the region might know as a gatherer, so to speak, of a wide variety of participants in individual industries and C-suite and other leaders in those industries for dinners and convocations and face-to-face meetings and Zoom meetings to compare notes on their sector or their arena or their specific responsibilities within the company. And With that as background, we're going to really focus, Doug, you and I, on some of the things that are happening in the D.C. region that COVID affected or maybe didn't affect. What are some places that are going to survive and thrive even during COVID? What are some places that you think may be affected forever? Like the natural obvious one is commercial real estate. And how can people in this region pay attention to tactics and tools and trends that as investors or business people are looking for their next job should be paying attention to. So let's get started. In your business, uh, February 2020 was looking pretty good. Pretty good. March 2020 was a gut punch. What are some of the ways that you sort of had to handle that early on? How did you reconfigure? How did you change some of the economics? What happened? L- looking back, it's it's funny because March 2020, yeah, it was a gut punch. But at the time, I thought it was probably like a two-month gut punch. Right. Thankfully, I um, I run DCA Live very lean. Um, I didn't have a big payroll that I had to, to figure out. I just had to kind of keep myself going. And I learned pretty quickly that in the absence of in-person events, people needed places to connect, right? So we started to think, well, I started to think, what can we do? So we started doing the roundtables that I've been doing for years by Zoom. And we would schedule them in the middle of the business day and invite a bunch of people. And I found that there was sponsorship interest in doing that. So there was less a new, wine, there less was food. A, yeah, there was a, yeah, right, and right, no cost uh, except for the Zoom and a monthly Zoom fee. And so there was a new business model that emerged. And then I created a membership program where people could join DCA Live and find ways to connect virtually with other people. Right. Mm-hmm. So through a Slack channel that we set up, through these um, we do these Friday mornings, still do them Friday morning hangouts where you've been a guest. Where I invite a special guest speaker from the Washington region to come and just kind of like you know chew the fat with uh, DCA Live members. So you know, in, in hindsight, it was a rough look. Uh, there was no getting around the fact that you know we 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 stumbled through that that period, and um, I'm I feel fortunate to have made it out the other side. Um, but um, now that I'm here, I have a new you know some new business models, and I continue to do virtual events because they make better sense in some of my sectors. Um, I still do my Friday hangouts. I still have the Slack channels. 
Uh, but now we're back to in-person. Um, and, and 2022 has been basically fully back. 2021 was a little uh, rough, you know, some fits and starts with the different variants and so on. But now we're back and, um, you know, a diverse uh, product uh, portfolio now. So hopefully it's a, we have a healthy, healthier company going forward. Well, you've had a couple recently that seem to be just jam-packed. So yeah. there seemed to be kind of a cork underwater being released, a lot of enthusiasm to get together. Did you see that energy in your recent ones? Yeah, I, I, I think so. Um, it's, it's, it's mixed because there, there is there's a lot of um, energy um, to get back. But I, I do also think that there's um, a, a, some segment of the, the local event-going population that got kind of used to not going to stuff. Yeah. You know, because they weren't coming into the office and they weren't in the natural, the natural rhythm of going to an event after work or whatever. So, I mean, I think there's some challenges in getting people back. And it's not related to COVID or anything. It's just back to putting on makeup and, you know, getting in your car and driving the Beltway and parking and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like, it got kind of easy not to do that stuff for a while. Well, cargo shorts and Crocs is pretty comfortable. <laughs> so why, you know, why change out of that? Yeah, we have made our, our dress code. Our, well, not that there's a strict dress code, but we have made the uh, the dress for our events casual. Yep. I've tinkered with the times because I realize that people aren't really leaving the office at 6 o'clock anymore because they weren't really in the office to begin with. So mm-hmm. maybe we start a little bit earlier. Um, and all of our events have always been as accessible as possible, right? I mean, we try to find spots that are easy to get in and out of, and we try to keep the ticket price low. So trying to remove as many barriers to coming to an event as possible. But still, you know, I think there's people that just haven't got back in the swing of things. That said, we're doing fine. Yeah. I mean, um, yeah. Well, it's a robust economy, as we know, with one giant customer, the United States government. For lots of GovCon, GovCon suppliers, the mergers and acquisitions environment surrounding that, that seems, to, from from where I stand, that seems to be doing okay. But there's some canary in the coal mine moments, I would argue, for some other arenas. I think number one seems to be commercial real estate. What are you seeing there what do you see happening in the future? Well, um, commercial real estate includes a number of different asset classes, right? Yep. So during the pandemic, things like industrial and data center did really well. And I think those will continue to. Now, those are not core you know, products here in, in the region. Of course, there's a lot of data center stuff out in, out in Loudoun. Um, I think what you're probably referring to is downtown office buildings, right? Right. Um, well, and not just, not, not just downtown, but you know, in, in, in suburban uh, markets, too. Uh, I would say a couple of things. One is um, it depends on the, the market, right? So uh, there are pockets that are doing very well. Uh, Reston Town Center, um, the Wharf, Noma, and the Navy Yard areas. Any, anywhere that's kind of new where they've got sort of new amenities and exciting, you know, life that attracts, you know, younger, um, younger workforce types um, are, are doing pretty well. The stuff that's really suffering is your old downtown um, stuff that's, you know, um, older buildings um, and then sort of the corporate office park, you know, like where Marriott used to be out there and, right. and Bethesda. Of course, they've moved to downtown Bethesda, downtown Bethesda now. Uh, and those kinds of uh, more um, off the um, off the grid um, office product, those are doing very, very badly. And um, I think that the owners of them are left with, you know, um, not many options. Um, some are converting them into uh, residential properties or mm-hmm. other sort of mixed-use properties, mega churches <laughs> or what have you. And, you know, I think that will be the the way out for some folks. I, uh, my, I, my understanding is that I'm not a, an expert on real, est- real estate finance, but that you, you, you do accept a very lower, much lower valuation for your, your building once you've converted it to residential or something. Yep. 
Um, but you know that it may be the choice of that or zero if it stays office. Um, so you know the the, the market, the, the real estate market has fundamentally changed. Um, it will never it, it will never be as big as it once was. Uh, the older product will be torn down or converted into apartments. Uh, the newer, sexier, more exciting stuff I think will do okay. Um, but what a lot of companies are are left with is you know they they have too much space but they still need something. So what they're going to do is they're going to Move to a smaller space, but they're gonna. It's gonna be a night in a nicer building in yep. a nicer market. Yeah. Um, so that's what's happening. Um, but it's 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 gonna take years for this to work out, and there's gonna be a lot of pain along the way. So convert uh, uh, communal spaces. The we work of we workization of a worker's experience. Do you see communal workspaces coming back in any strong way? And are there some brands that, other than WeWork, which has had its challenges, are kind of top of mind? Well, I've always thought it was a great. A model, and in fact, I've worked out of one now for I don't know five or six years. Way to go! Um, what is, it's called launch offices, and they've got a few. They're they're, they're an interesting model because they don't actually um, all they do is operate the uh, the the shared space on behalf of the the owner. So the the landlord has a big floor of space. Got it. They don't want to actually you know they can't find a tenant. They don't want to um, uh, operate a, a WeWork on their own, so they hire this third party to come in and essentially set up a, a WeWork kind of thing. Um, Industrious uh, seems to be doing pretty well. Um, that's another uh, WeWork style one. Um, what else? Uh, Spaces has been around for a while. I think they're doing okay. I mean, the one I'm in is is doing reasonably Populous. well. Yeah. 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 I mean, again, I think it varies market to market. I mean, you know, um, the, the, there's a one down at the wharf that's done very well. Um, in the Ruston Town Center, there's a launch office that's done very well. So, um, I, I, I'm a believer in that model. It's always made a ton of sense to me, having been, you know, leading a company and like going through a trying to sign a lease and like, you know, when the landlord wants five, 10 years, and you're like, well, we have no idea what we're in five, 10 years. Right. Um, the idea that you can turn it off, you know, month to month and add and subtract space and, you know, kind of have those amenities built in. I, I've always thought that we work, you know, they got into trouble for other reasons, but I, I'm a believer in that business. So we're talking with Doug Anderson. He is the founder and CEO of DCA Live. So you know I'm a fan of the venture capital arena and startups and that that kind of monetization of uh, of hyper growth. And oddly, we're in the same building as New Enterprise Associates, the largest venture capital fund, I think, last time I'm going to check in America, which happens to be right here in the Friendship Heights Arena part of D.C. What's your sense of venture financing, private equity financing, the vitality of firms based here, other capital coming in from firms based in other places like, I don't know, Palo Alto, uh, investing in companies here. Are we still holding our own? Yeah, well, it's interesting. I think that what the pandemic did is, you know, introduce this um, uh, this 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 more national concept of, of 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 venture capital, where you know it used to be if you were a local company, you would go raise money locally. Yeah, and it would most likely be from one of a half dozen or so well-known uh, venture firms. Um, and I think that's that that's that's gone now, right? If you if you are now raising money, the the whole world is basically open open for business. People are, you know, doing Zoom calls uh, and and raising money without ever having met the uh, the investor in person, and that's very common. So that works both ways for us, right? I mean, it means local founders can find capital anywhere. Mm-hmm. It also means local sources of capital can find investments, you know, anywhere. Yeah. How all that nets out, I don't know. I think it's a pretty healthy local market now. I think that in 2021, it was very frothy and, and unsustainable. Um, the, the the pendulum had swung all the way to the founders. They were getting ridiculous valuations that, by the way, weren't going to help them down the road anyway. 
Right. Um, they were getting, you know, great, great terms. Um, it was, the deals are very, very competitive. Um, I think that's, that's cooled off. Yeah. I think due diligence is, is much longer now. It's much tougher now. It's much tougher to, to get capital. But that's probably how it should be. And I think you would you would agree with that. Yep. And then one last point I'd, I'd raise, like when we talk about venture um, capital, when I do my dinners that you come to, I call it venture investor roundtables because I feel like there's different sources of, of venture capital now. It's not just the the typical VC fund that has a a you round know, an yeah. institutional um, uh, backing. Uh, there are lots of family offices that are doing uh, venture deals. There are uh, syndicates of angels. I'm sure you're part of some of those mm-hmm. that are doing um, angel deals. There are corporate uh, venture uh, programs where big brand name companies are doing seed investments in, in smaller companies. Um, so it's it's the it's there's way more sources of capital, and the what that's done is that made it's made the founder. Their ability to kind of navigate that is a much much more of a premium on 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 the skill to do that. Like, mm-hmm. what kind of what kind of investor do you want, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, um, and all those I just mentioned come with different terms and different horizons and different expectations and all that kind of stuff. So, there's more capital out there, but it's just kind of trickier to figure out which kind you you want and how to get it. Not much time left, my brother. But uh, what's your sense of uh, a real quick uh, uh, lightning round? The R word, recession, are you seeing geographically, a geographical inability to, or, or I should say ability to withstand a recessionary environment that D.C. always seems to have? Or do you think we're going to be part of it if it, if it happens nationally? Um, I, I think, once again, the D.C. economy is going to prove to be incredibly resilient. I, I, in all these dinners I do, I keep trying to get some sense from any of the business leaders, uh, uh, any evidence of a recession pressure, recessionary pressures on their business, and there are none. They Got still it. can't hire. There's still incredible inflation. The capital markets are still firing. They're, you know, the, the M&A um, and the transactions, particularly in GovCon, still very, very healthy. So once again, I, I suspect that we're going to weather this just fine. Uh, all right. Yeah. We're going to hold you to that. So, Doug Anderson, we ask all our guests one final question, which is if you rule the world, I mean, in, really, in charge of everything, what's one thing you would start, maybe one thing you would kill, truncate, or maybe both? Your answer. Gosh, Mark, you know, I thought I was going to be prepared for that. Well, you know, even though I'm from here, um, I spent part of my childhood in Omaha, Nebraska, and the Nebraska Cornhuskers would once again be in the top five in college football. But it's been 20 years of nothing but heartbreak um, for that. I've, over the years, become something of an urbanist. I really like, you know, to see dense, densification of cities. And so what drives me nuts is when I read about, like, there's a massive housing shortage. It's here in D.C., but it's also in places like San Francisco and uh, in other cities, and it just drives me nuts when I when I when I see these 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 NIMBY um, types um, yep. really killing um, new development. So I'm a I'm a pro growth. I'm a pro new things. When people protest like the new giant or whatever, it just drives me nuts. I, I would I would I'm I'm always for the the next big thing, and I wish that all the barriers to constructing it would be gone. Well said, Doug Anderson, CEO and founder of DCA Live, our guest here on What's Working in Washington. Doug, thanks for being with us. Mark, thank you for having me. I look forward to seeing you to dinner soon. The team behind What's Working in Washington is a great group. The executive producer and editor is Tracy Madigan. Online content, Anna DeGraff. And that theme music you enjoy, performed by the Sunbathers. You've been listening to What's Working in Washington on Federal News Network and streaming as a podcast.